0: friends and faithful listeners, happy day before Thanksgiving. I hope you guys are having such a fantastic week already and that you are preparing to have a really fantastic Thanksgiving day tomorrow. So tomorrow I am going to be doing an episode and I'm actually going to be doing a special Thanksgiving episode, which is kind of cool because I'm still going to be continuing through the Bible at my normal pace. But what we're talking about tomorrow in the book of Mark, which is on schedule with where we're supposed to be, actually has a lot to do with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So it was kind of cool that uh, it sort of lined up perfectly so that we can talk about a Thanksgiving theme. On Thanksgiving Day. So I'm actually going to be having a guest joining me tomorrow and he is an awesome person. I got a chance to know him and his name is Jonathan Schaefer and he is a pastor in the heart of Cleveland and his church is called Grace Church and it has two different campuses and they're opening up two more different campuses in a prison ministry kind of way in the next few months or so. So they're going to have four campuses coming up. And I have him on the podcast tomorrow talking about Thanksgiving, you know, Jesus coming through the city on the back of the donkey and how that relates to Thanksgiving. You might not think it does, but it completely does. So definitely join us tomorrow and uh, hear Pastor Shaver speak. He's a fantastic uh, public speaker and just a great person that I'm just very excited to have gotten to know. But today we are going to be talking about Exodus chapter 33 verses 1 through 11. And we're going to be reading out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible, or rather, I'm going to be reading out of the W.E.B. But uh, feel free to read out of the version you like to read out of and uh, grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea. And let's read this. Yahweh spoke to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people that you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, for you are a stiff-necked people, lest I consume you on the way. When the people heard this evil news, they mourned, and no one put on his jewelry, for Yahweh had said to Moses, Tell the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go up among you for one moment, I would consume you. Therefore now take off your jewelry from you, that I may know what to do with you. The children of Israel stripped themselves of their jewelry from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Everyone who sought Yahweh went out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. When Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose up and stood, everyone at their tent door, and watched Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered into the tent, the pillar of cloud descended, stood at the door of the tent, and Yahweh spoke with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the door of the tent, and all the people rose up and worshipped, everyone at their tent door. Yahweh spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. He turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, didn't depart from the tent. So right after the whole thing with the golden calf in Exodus 32 and the big mistake that everybody made with worshiping that calf and creating it and everything else, you know, it moves into Exodus 33 now, which is where we're at right now today. So God Is talking to Moses right after this whole golden calf incident and so he's basically like okay look I am still going to bless you guys I'm still gonna give you the lands that I promised your ancestors I'm still going to be with you in battle he says but the one thing I'm not going to do is be in your presence anymore like I was before like with that pillar of cloud and with the fire before you know when God was leading the Israelites Um, into the promised land before he, his presence was like basically right there. You know, his presence was there. He, He was in the form of that cloud and in the smoke. And then he was up on Mount Sinai, like he was with his people. But now he's saying that he is going to basically remove his presence from the people. He'll still be with them and he's still going to bless them and give them things, but he is going to be away from the people and instead he's going to send his angel way ahead of the people to fight for them is basically what God says is going to happen so this was a test for the people this was a test to see where the people's hearts were because I've talked so much about how God's presence with the people was actually going to bless the Israelite nation but One thing I haven't mentioned is that isn't the end goal, or at least that shouldn't be the end goal is to receive the blessings. Rather, the end goal should be to have a relationship with God. So God was testing the people in this way to see where their hearts were. Were they going to be okay with the fact that God was, you know, not with them anymore, but he was still blessing them? Or did they truly want his presence there? Did they truly want a relationship with God, especially after this whole golden calf incident? Do the people really want God with them? Or are they just going to be okay with the blessings they get from God? And here's the thing about this. This reminds me so much of modern day Christianity. I mean, I could go off on modern day Christianity (laughs) forever. But um, here's the thing that like modern day Christianity and what I mean by that is the, the Christianity that you kind of think you're a Christian, you kind of go to church, you kind of do this, you kind of do that. But you don't really want that relationship with God. You kind of want to make up your own religion and, you know, take and choose what you want out of the Bible, even if you read the Bible. That's kind of what modern day Christianity is, or some people call it pop Christianity, popular Christianity. And uh, it is very, very prevalent nowadays. And unfortunately, many churches fall into pop Christianity, which is not true Christianity. True Christianity is looking at the Bible understanding that it's God's word, the inspired word of God, and applying it to your life. Even if that means that you don't like everything that it has to say. The point is, is to still understand that that is God's inspired word. And even if you don't understand something, you still need to look at it as, oh, you know, God said that, whatever it might be that you might have an issue with in the Bible. You still have to understand the context of why this was happening and everything. And I mean, one thing I've mentioned several times on the podcast before is I don't understand why God destroyed the animals in the flood. I don't understand that because animals are innocent, but I have to look at that and say, Oh, it says that the entire earth was filled with corruption and was filled with violence. So I have to assume that the animals also were corrupted in some sort of sense. And I actually did an episode on that. Um, like a year ago about the Nephilim and the flood and everything. And uh, yeah, but anyway, I mean, there's there's things like that I don't understand. You know, I the concept of sacrifice is a difficult one for me as well. But the point is, though, <laughs> I'm kind of going off on a rabbit trail here. The point is we, we can't fall into popular Christianity just because it's popular. We can't fall into that. We have to want God's presence fully. We have to want God's inspired word fully. You know, instead of picking and choosing what we want and only wanting the benefits of Christianity, which is, you know, the blessings, the ability to talk to God whenever you need something, the whatever it might be that is a benefit of Christianity. We can't just want Christianity for the benefits of it. We have to want that relationship with God because the relationship with God is the most important thing, because we could have all the blessings in the world and still be miserable people. And then on top of that, we wouldn't have the gift of salvation that God freely gives us. So that's kind of what is happening here in scripture in Exodus 33 is the same exact concept, except Old Testament (laughs) instead of New Testament. Do the people want that relationship with God? Do they truly want that forgiveness that he's able to give? Or do they only want the blessings that he promised them if he's going to be in their presence? So this is a test to see where the people's hearts are. But the res- the people do respond kind of well, because it says here that uh, God says to Moses in verse five, uh, Yahweh had said to Moses, tell the children of Israel, you are a stiff necked people. If I were to go up among you for one moment, I would consume you. Therefore, now take off your jewelry from you that I may know what to do with you. So, <laughs> so God's basically saying to Moses, like, tell the people, don't put any of your jewelry on, you know, a jewelry is a, a, a way to make yourself look prettier. But he says, like, don't do that. Don't put your jewelry on. It's, it's a sign of mourning. You're not supposed to be decorating yourselves right now because, you know, your insides are crappy. <laughs> God says, you're a stiff necked people. That's what he says. So back then that that's a term for a donkey or a work animal of some sort that would refuse to listen to the farmer. So a horse, okay. I have been on horses plenty of times. I just got back from a trip to a ranch recently and the one horse that I had was extremely stiff-necked. I would consider it a stiff-necked horse. It did not like me. It kept reaching around and trying to bite my toes and it refused to go where I was asking it to go, it just did not want me on its back. I'm surprised it didn't run off with me. So, <laughs> so I'm in the trail ride, and this horse just wanted to go up off the side, like in between these two tiny little trees, probably in a way to try to knock me off of its back to slam me into a tree. And uh, the horse just kept going, and I'm like, get back on the trail. And I'm like, I, I'm doing my best I can to actually get this horse to go back onto the trail. And that's kind of what this reminds me of here is this like stiff necked concept, not just having that horse didn't just have a stiff neck and didn't want to go where I was asking it to go. It like defied me. (laughs) this horse was defying me and did not want to listen to me and was doing the opposite of what I was asking it to do. That is literally what this term means. Stiff necked. These people, not only are they not listening to God, but they're actually purposefully defying God and going off on their own way. Now, we know all about God's presence. We've talked about it before. I mean, we don't know all about it. We could never know all about it. But from what we understand of it so far... God's presence is like consuming, like a fire. You know, people can't get too close to it, especially if those people have unclean motives or an unclean heart. We've talked about that. We talked about how when God was up on the mountain, how he, the people weren't even allowed to touch the mountain that God was staying on, uh, lest they literally be consumed, is what God said. So, the only people that can have a True relationship with God would be people like Moses, people who had that pure heart or even people like Joshua here, who we see uh, in verse 11. So God is saying that if he goes into the the, the people's presence and lives with them again, like he was doing with uh, the cloud and with the fire, his presence would consume the people. Or it's very possible that they would do something and God would judge them. I don't know. I I don't know what God was saying here, but one way or the other, God's presence can't really be touched by sinful people. That's the point of Jesus. The only way we can come close to the father is through Jesus, because Jesus fixed all this. You know, people made a lot of mistakes in the Old Testament. Jesus fixed all that. So now we can actually have that relationship with the father, even though we are no different than people were back in these days. But because of Jesus's love, he, uh, it says in the Bible that he actually intercedes for us for the father. So he prays for us. He talks to the father about us and continues to forgive us over and over and over again. But in the old days, Jesus didn't come to earth yet. The the people had to worry about God's presence consuming them. So what God ended up doing was he, um, he told the people not to adorn themselves with jewelry, basically, because it would be a symbol that they were, you know, not very nice people (laughs) and on top of that they had used their jewelry before to make that golden calf so it was kind of like a punishment to the people that they weren't allowed to wear their jewelry and they ended up doing this um, as like a symbolic thing that their outsides and insides were not very pretty and so uh, they did this all the way from Mount Horeb onward and I don't know what onward means I don't know when they start wearing jewelry again but it doesn't say. But anyway, after this happens and God has this discussion with Moses, how he cannot live with the people at this time. Moses does something super drastic in verses 7 all the way through 11. Now, the tent of meeting was not built yet. We went through an entire building of the tabernacle series several weeks ago, and it was a long series because God was literally describing how the tabernacle was supposed to be built, even every single little thing that was supposed to go inside the tabernacle. So this tabernacle is not built yet. And Moses does something super drastic. He takes his very own tent and way outside the camp of all the people, way outside, he sets up his tent and calls it the tent of meeting, his own personal tent. And this was something Moses did to show his heart. You know, he wanted to get close to God in these drastic measures by living way outside of the camp and by putting the tent outside the camp it was showing that God's presence could be outside the camp it just couldn't be inside the camp at this time because of where the people's hearts were at this time so Moses does this he takes his very own tent sets it up way outside of the camp and calls it the tent of meeting and he allows anybody that wants to come to the tent of meeting to come to it. It says here that um, everyone who sought Yahweh went out to the tent of meeting. So everybody who really wanted to have that relationship with God would travel out to the tent of meeting. That means they had to remove themselves from the camp personally, from that sin. Kind of like the sin offering we talked about with Bill McMinn um, weeks, weeks back where when the bull was sacrificed as a sin offering, part of that sin offering had to be taken and burned outside of the camp to show the removal of sins. This is kind of a similar concept where the people had to remove themselves from the sin of that camp to go outside and worship God in the tent of meeting. So anybody who wanted to have this relationship with God was allowed to go to Moses' tent and uh, worship God there. Now, it says here in verse 8 that when Moses would go out to the tent, all the people would see Moses doing this. It was a display. Moses was showing his heart of worship in front of the people. I mean, imagine going out and worshiping God in front of an entire city. You know, that might be a scary thing to do because that's not exactly popular. I mean, (laughs) there's a reason pop Christianity is so prevalent right now. It's not very popular to show your worship to God. But yet this is what Moses was doing. He was being an example as a leader by going out in front of the entire congregation of Israel and showing how much he wanted to worship God. So it says here that when Moses would go out, the people of Israel would watch Moses And they would actually worship with Moses. It says that when Moses would enter into the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend on the tent and it would stand at the door of the tent and there Yahweh would speak with Moses. And it says specifically that he actually spoke to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his friend. So this is why many people believe that this was Jesus that came down. And was speaking to um, Moses because we actually saw that in uh, the time of Abraham, when Jesus himself, actually, before his name was Jesus, Jesus came down and spoke with Abraham face to face. Like as a man speaks to another man as a friend, we saw that. And so that's why many people think that uh, Jesus was in that cloud and he was speaking directly with Moses as a friend speaks with a friend. So then um, it says here that Joshua, who was Moses's assistant and was going to be the next leader of Israel, actually never left the tent. He was so comforted by Moses's worship and by God's presence being there that he never wanted to leave the tent of meeting and he stayed there in that tent. So Moses was an example for Joshua as well. And Joshua we find out was a very, very great leader who really loved God and uh, he turned into a fantastic leader. And we'll talk about that once we actually get into the book of Joshua after Moses dies. But anyway, this is kind of the end of all this. But to conclude, we have to think about this in today's terms. What are we doing nowadays that would be considered um, popular Christianity that maybe is going against what the Bible teaches? We have to think about that and uh, make sure that we're not falling into that because we see what happens in Exodus 32 when the people did fall into that trap and start worshiping other gods, even though Aaron said, let's have a feast to Yahweh. He was adding in this golden calf God with the true God, with God himself. So we have to make sure we're not falling into that and losing that relationship. The true thing that really matters, that relationship with God, the thing that uh, really is what gives us the most joy and the most peace. I mean, we see that throughout the Bible. We see that God says that when we have a true relationship with him, he gives us um, peace that cannot be explained. He gives us a joy that cannot be explained, something a, a joy that literally could not happen without God's presence. So friends and faithful listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this morning to Exodus 33. Definitely go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. I'm going to drop a link to the YouTube channel in the bio of this podcast episode. Friends and faithful listeners have a fantastic Thanksgiving day tomorrow. Tune in to hear Pastor Jonathan Schaefer and I discuss uh, Jesus and Thanksgiving day. Happy listening and God bless.